0: Welcome back to the Beyond the Basin podcast. I'm Pramita and I'm Sana, and today we're going to be talking to you about two different Disney remakes that were pretty popular during our times growing up. We were talking about this the other day. We were talking about how many Disney remakes have been coming recently and we just we were really interested in how they've evolved over time, especially the ones that came out like a, a while ago for us. Mm Mhm, so we thought that it would be really interesting to compare different aspects of cinematography for both the films, but this is once again just for fun. Yeah, we aren't professionals or experts or anything like that in film. Mm Mhm, so some of the different aspects that we'll specifically be focusing on will be the color, the costumes, and just comparing it back to the original animated films. So just to start off with our very first aspect that we're focusing on, that's going to be settings and the set production. Santa, what did you really like about this? I think that they did a really good job of just incorporating these, I guess, more like magical elements into the the architecture and the structure. Like during the the scene where they're dancing to that, like they're dancing in the ballroom, I thought that the... The architecture there was so beautiful and it was magical but still kind of grounded in a way and I thought it was very very nice. I agree when they were dancing in the background there were all these candles and then it just looked so magical to me as a little kid and then every time I watch it once again it just it still has that magical aspect to it. Mm. Was there anything you didn't like about it? Not that I can think of. I I thought the set production was really nice, but like again, I, I cause I'm not an expert. So I wouldn't I wouldn't fully know.
1: Mm-hmm. What about you?
0: I agree. I think the production designer Sarah Greenwood she did a really good job with this. So the movie did have a high budget, and it does make sense because all the sets looks pretty realistic, even the village. The budget is still insane to me because we were looking it up earlier, and it was like two hundred ninety five million dollars or something. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I feel like most of the budget just went towards just, like, giving the CGI to the 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 beast. Yeah, so I guess that takes us to our second aspect of the film that we'll be focusing on, the CGI. Do you... I know you did some research before this. I remember you mentioning to me that there was, um, like, the way that they, they had the prince transform into the beast or, like, they had the actor transform into a beast through cgi yeah so i think the beast was the main part of the cgi like a lot of the budget went towards that because while they were filming it's it's really funny when you look at the pictures he was wearing this um just black suit with polka dots on it (laughs) (laughs) and i was looking at these pictures and i was just imagining how they could film all those scenes with keeping a straight face on but anyways i think it turned out pretty well overall when you see the final product of the beast because I heard that since the Beast was just such a large character and they had to make him look intimidating. The CGI, they had to first of all factor in the fur on, on his person. So that was like a lot of fur. And then he was wearing clothes on top of the fur. So just adding on all of that through CGI, that took a lot of um, motion ca- capture technology. That's what they use. So they put all these trackers on his suit to, um, I guess, keep his locations, like, keep track of his locations. And that just took a lot of work. So it was pretty well done, I think. It looked really good, in my opinion. Like, I thought that the, the CGI for him was pretty well done in terms of just quality and stuff. Mm-hmm. And something actually really interesting that I found was that for the CGI, they used this um, Oscar award-winning CGI company called Digital Domain. And I read this from an article, and this digital domain website, I this digital domain company, they were in charge of the CGI for Titanic, and also some Marvel films, as well as some really big movies. Because the CGI is, like, one of the main aspects in Marvel films. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, like, obviously, if you overwork the people who make it, then the quality is not going to be as good as it would be if you gave them more time and more... More patience. Exactly. I think maybe that's why the recent Marvel films have been lacking in CGI. <laughs> I haven't seen the recent ones, but have they have they really been? Like um, how how bad would you say it is? I don't know. I was watching the new Loki series like today, and like the second season because I watched the first season a while ago, and then I would say. It's, it's doing okay. But just in comparison to the first few Marvel films, those were much better. I heard that they're using AI to, like, make some of the posters for Loki, but I'm not sure if that's actually true or not. I've heard that as well, and I've heard that about the new Disney film, Wish, coming out for their, like, anniversary. Oh. But I'm not sure if that's true either. I've seen some spectators comment that it looks AI-generated, but it's not confirmed. you mentioned that one of the things that you thought like that you liked about the movie was that they had new songs that kind of added to the the characters and the and the plot there were i think there were three new songs that they added yeah i think i i liked the beast song after Belle like store um kind of goes to the village to take care of her sick father oh evermore yeah evermore i liked his singing um i think the actor did a pretty good job for that because it didn't sound as auto-tuned as other (laughs) aspects of the film. Yes, I remember you were telling me and then um, I think I also was hearing it more when you mentioned it about the auto-tuning in the, the singing for Belle. Yes, I was really frustrated about that. As a kid, I didn't notice it as much but then I think I watched this film around like four times in total and then throughout the years. I keep looking back on it and it just bothers me, especially with the first song, um, when Bell starts singing it. I just think it's pretty obvious even to somebody who's not um, like an audiophile. You can hear the autotune. It's too smooth and perfect to actually sound real. Yeah, and I feel like it doesn't even sound like like Emma Watson's voice or like what her singing voice would be. Could she sing? Like is she does she Is that why they auto-tuned it? Because she's not like a, a trained singer or something? They did have her take some voice lessons before, and I think she took a lot of extensive voice lessons. But I think, I guess if you're not trained from the very start of your life to be a professional singer, it can't help that much. So the first film that we wanted to go over was Beauty and the Beast and we chose it because we we thought that it was such a an, it was one of the more memorable Disney remakes for us growing up and it was definitely something that we knew was very popular at the time and still is today. Yeah, I remember when it first came out a lot of my friends watched it and they convinced me to watch it too and it was just a really big thing So I liked it a lot at the time. Yeah, same. And we wanted to first start off by just giving a quick summary if you haven't seen it in a while or if you haven't seen it before or anything like that. Yeah, so for the basic plot, just in general, it starts off with the prince being enchanted by this evil enchantress because he was pretty arrogant. And um, the enchantress comes disguised as this old beggar woman, but then when he finds out that she's actually a witch, she turns him into this beast And the only way that he can turn back into a prince is if um, he falls in love and the person he's falling in love with also falls in love with him so hence the rose yeah and then many 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 years later in this village in I believe France I'm not sure when there's this girl named Belle and she is um, a bookworm who is constantly dreaming of adventure and one day her father gets lost And basically um, gets held hostage by the beast for taking a flower. And then Belle ends up taking his place as prisoner. Yeah, so after she takes up his place, she and the beast soon start to fall in love. And, well, long story short, it's just a lot of conflict and a lot of people trying to keep them apart in terms of Gaston and the other villagers. And in the end, it turns out with a happy ending. Yes. We were, at least for me, I was a really big fan of this movie, and I really loved the ending. I, what was it like for you? Um, I really liked Mm. Belle's character when I watched it. She was a really smart and well-spoken character, and she was also just really, um, she was a good role model to look up to. Mm. Okay, I, I guess to give some, some background information, the movie was directed by, bill condon i hope i'm saying that correctly and it starred emma watson as bell and dan stevens as the beast yes just to clarify this is the 2017 version yes so was there anything that stood out to you like just because we we recently just saw the movie in preparation for this was there anything that you saw that you particularly liked i think the main differences would be the added songs so there was one with the beast he has his own solo song called Evermore which we'll be getting into further detail on later on but yeah I did like the added songs I think it also provides a lot more background information for each individual character yeah we wanted to go over some of the different cinematographic um cinematographic aspects of the movie we aren't experts or anything like that in film this is just for fun so I just want to put that out there Okay, so first we'll be talking about the setting and just to mention, the production designer is Sarah Greenwood. I thought the sets for the movie were, like all of them really, were so beautiful, especially the scene where the Belle and the Beast are, what is it, ballroom dancing, slow dancing, whatever, and you can see them, um, you can see when they're like spinning around and stuff, the background, and it's just so beautiful and magical and I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, all the candles at the background mm. and then oh, the music playing along. It's just really romantic and it adds to the setting. I agree. It was so, so beautiful. I think, like, all of the setting was done pretty well. I, I don't know. I didn't have any negative things to say. Did you? Not really. I think even when it starts off in the village and then going on to Belle's house and the final scene where Gaston and B- the Beast are fighting on the castle grounds, I think... The castle just is really well done. It looks realistic and all the furniture is just really exquisite if you look at it. I was so scared of the, when I was younger, of the scene where the the father is picking the, the flowers from the beast's garden and the beast finds him. That scared me so badly when I was younger. I don't know why, but it was just so freaky to me, especially because of the setting and how intimidating it was. I agree. And I think we both mentioned this earlier, but... In the scene where they're fighting The Beast and Gaston Like we were both scared of that Yeah It was just Like the sky was all dark and grey And then the atmosphere was just It was tense For sure For sure I think something that we We kind of talked about a lot When we were watching Rewatching the movie recently Was the musical part And the singing Which I know that um, You especially had some gripes with Um yeah, so I love Emma Watson as an actress. She's She does all her roles really well. But I think just she's autotuned <laughs> a lot. I don't even know what her real voice sounds like because in the film, they made it sound like it's not her that's singing. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. And I don't really understand why they autotuned it so much. I mean, maybe I guess if she's not like a trained singer. But still, I feel like there could have been a better solution than to autotune it to that point. I feel like, I don't know if this, just, this is just a problem with some of the earlier remakes, but Disney just doesn't like hearing any imperfections in the voices. So mm. they just auto-tuned it to such a heavy extent. I don't think she's in, she's even like a bad singer, because she took all these lessons beforehand. They had her like do these voice lessons before. And so I don't think she's even a bad singer. They just, any flaws they hear, minor flaws, they auto-tuned it out. I saw a video about that, and they showed um, a clip of... The original Belle singing, and they talked about how, oh, you can actually hear her smiling when she sings, and that adds emotion. But in the newer one, they don't really, or in these newer movies, they don't really show that as much in the singing, and it kind of takes away from that. Yeah, I agree. I think just the fact that it sounds so smooth and perfect, it doesn't really add any emotion to the singing. And so you can't really be on, have this intimate connection with the characters as much, because the singing is such a big part of it. Yeah, I think for me it to a much lesser extent this kind of happened when I was telling you like just just like a couple like twenty minutes ago or whatever that I thought that the beast the beast actor what was his name Dan Stevens I thought that he was a good singer and then you said no someone else sang all his songs so I was I was very surprised to hear that oh no I meant for another film of his that. he... He, um, they sang all his songs. Oh, so he did sing in this one. Yeah, everyone sang their own songs for this film. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I was... Okay, sorry. I, I got no, confused. Fine. No, he does... He is a pretty good singer. And I also think the singer for um, Miss Potts, Emma Thompson, she's a really good singer. I agree. What was your favorite song from the, the reboot? I would have to say... I really like The Beauty and the Beast. It's just a classic song and when they were dancing it just it was my favorite part how about you i adored that one as well i also really liked the one in the beginning where it was like where they um where she's starting her day in the village and you have everyone singing i really really liked that one when i watched it the first time even though it's very heavily (laughs) auto-tuned. yes i agree it is a nice song When I was younger, I thought that she was very quirky in that song because she talks about how she wants more than this provincial life and, like, she wants to be bigger than that baker and all those other people. And when I was younger, I really aspired to that. And I was like, wow, I feel the same way because I... (laughs) I want to get out of this town. I want to, you know, live my life (laughs) on a bigger scale. Um, what town are you talking about? you (laughs) whatever town I lived in at the time... And I think that's really funny to think back on now and how this song has that. I still think about that when I think about this song. I agree. I feel like I would have been happy in Belle's life, honestly. It seems very nice, but at the time, I was like, go Belle. You're you're standing (laughs) up for yourself. You can go do anything you want. Exactly. I loved her dresses in this movie for the most part. I thought they were very beautiful and well-designed. I think we both had some concerns. I guess I would- not concerns. We just didn't- we weren't the biggest fans of her yellow dress, like the famous one that she wears. Yes, I think that's a pretty popular opinion I've been seeing because like, I've seen all these videos and I've talked to my friends about it as well. Nobody really likes her yellow dress. It's just underwhelming compared to the original. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice dress, but I wouldn't say... I feel like it's just not princess-worthy. Like, it doesn't have that that touch to it. I know. I think the fabric doesn't look that expensive. It's supposed to be silk. That's what online says. But I think if they used some different fabric, like tall, which they did in Cinderella's dress, that we'll be talking about later on, that would have had a really nice result. I feel like also it was... It could have been a bit bigger, but I know that the Emma Watson. I think she said that she didn't want to wear a she didn't want to wear a corset and she didn't want the dress to be too big to move in. But I feel like they could have, you know, worked with that in mind and still made this dress a bit more magical looking, in my opinion. Yes, I was really excited to see her dress as a kid, and I was just disappointed because I was looking up to her a lot. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this more later, but with Cinderella's dress from the 2015 Disney remake of Cinderella, her famous blue dress, whenever she moved, it was like, I don't even know how to explain it, but whenever she moved, it was like this very magical at the real thing in that dress, just because of how, how beautiful and how magical it looked. And I can't really say the same for Belle's dress, unfortunately. When she spins, it just looks like a very plain dress. Yes, yeah, like, when we saw her dancing in that ballroom dancing scene, it just kind of lifts up. It's not even, like, big enough to um, flow around on the floor. It's just, it's not a very big dress. It's a standard one that I think you could find at a costume store. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, I liked her wedding dress. You did not like the wedding dress. I I think it was nicer than her yellow dress, but I think the roses looked a bit out of pr- place. Hmm. I just don't think it was very natural, the way they embedded it into it. But I think the costumes for the period, it was the beginning 1700s to late 1700s. That's the period that the um, story is set in. I think they looked pretty realistic. Belle's village dress, I don't know what you call it, or the other peasant dresses. They were pretty realistic. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think also interesting is not only the costumes, but the colors in the movie. Um, I remember watching the original um, Beauty and the Beast movie. And something that I thought was really interesting that I read about later was that in that movie, when um, you see Belle in the beginning in the village, she wears this um, like blue clothing. And that's not really seen in the other villagers. That kind of shows how much she kind of feels like, and like she is a bit of an oddball, and that she feels like she doesn't fully belong with the rest of her village, aligning with my my younger self's quirky, you know, vision of her. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't think it's that it's as direct in this movie, like the the blue wearing, because I saw other people wearing blue in the beginning scene. Oh, th- it seems like a really nice tactic they had for singling her out. So I wish they did keep that in the live action. Mm. Yeah, I think something you also mentioned was that you really um, liked the warm colors in the scenes while we were watching. Yeah, the warm colors <laughs> in the <scene. laughs> Which scene are we talking about? (laughs) I'll go off of that. (laughs) I don't know. I remember you mentioning it and you're like, wow, these are nice, bright colors. Well, maybe that was for Cinderella. I don't know. Oh, I think that, um, well, I think they did a good job of exploring like warmer colors and colder colors in this movie. Um, I'm not, when we were watching the movie, I kind of, I did notice, I, and I think this is happening in the original, um, cartoon as well where the beast starts off wearing these very polarizing colors and then as he falls more in love with Belle they become warmer I don't I don't know if it's I I believe that happens in the remake as well I I saw I saw it more prominently in the cartoon but I think it does happen in the remake as well I do agree I think when they have that ballroom dancing scene he's wearing a pretty light blue it's vibrant in in comparison to what he starts out wearing um, I think you also had something to say to say about Gaston's clothing. Um, no, that's not applicable anymore after we rewatched it. Oh, oh, well, he, his signature color is red. So I thought that was very interesting in how, you know, red can show danger and aggressiveness. And that kind of was what he ended up being. But also when we were rewatching this movie recently, I noticed that he was not wearing as much red as he did in the cartoon. And as I remembered, so I feel like they could have, giving him a bit more red to help stick to that kind of idea and to his character. Hmm. I think that's pretty interesting. I, in the era that Beauty and the Beast was made pretty early on, the animated version, I think all this, um, like, color theory that they apply to the characters and the characterization, that was really smart. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty impressive for the time. So I wish they kept on the same aspects, like with Gaston's signature red. For sure. I feel like color like the the way people in films use color to signify different meanings and stuff i think that's very interesting but um yeah so now we're going to be moving on to another aspect of the film that we found was pretty interesting and relevant and that is cgi i remember you mentioning to me that you did some research on how they actually did the CGI to transform the actor who is uh, um, the actor into what the beast would end up looking like in the final version of the film. Yeah, so I linked this article in our um, description, but I was reading it and it said that apparently they used motion capture technology for the beast transformation into a prince. And overall, just the CGI for the actual beast, it was the hardest part, because he was such a big creature. So basically, they had the actor wear this <laughs> really, um like, black plain suit. I think it was a bodysuit. And then they had these polka dots, white polka dots on it. So that's how he actually looked while filming. And I was looking at the pictures and wondering how they film all those scenes with a straight face on. It's pretty impressive. Kind of also like how with Marvel movies, when they do have a scene with lots of CGI, and the actors have to try and still portray a certain feeling or emotion while they're they're just in a bodysuit with polka dots on it i agree that actually reminds me for this specific film they disney decided to take on a new cgi company called digital domain and basically this company it it's an oscar award winning company so that's why they um use them with their high budget production and they also helped with the cgi for titanic and also a lot of marvel films so it's pretty impressive considering how marvel has a really heavy aspect on cgi and they decided to incorporate that for beauty and the beast i think that the cgi for this movie was like really good like you can tell that they were an oscar award winning cgi company it looked pretty good in my opinion i think that the cgi for the beasts I think that was done pretty well, like, good quality and all of that. Yeah, um, I, I already mentioned this, but with the technology that they used, since he was such a large creature and he had to have fur <laughs> on him and then clothing as well on top of it, it made their jobs really difficult. And so this, the CGI for the Beast, it was the hardest part of the film. That's what they mentioned in the article. I feel like all of the budget just went to that, just trying to animate the Beast. Yeah, I do think it's a lot of work, considering how much he has to move around and the dancing. Was there any CGI on Belle's dress? I remember seeing that, just the sparkles they put on, I don't know if you remember, but during the ballroom dancing scene, at the very beginning of it, they had these sparkles suddenly go on to her dress. And then that was the CGI they used for the dress, but I think that was all. Not to be a hater, but I saw a lot of posters where she, where like they're in, they're dancing. She's wearing the dress, and the dress looks a lot more magical in those promotional posters than it does in the actual scene. And I feel like that's a bit misleading. I think it's because the color they used outside of the dress for the posters, it was just pretty, um, like very vivid and darker. So it made her dress stand out a bit. Mm. But then they just don't show all her full dress, so you can't see how. Badly done it is. <laughs> I think our, our dislike of this dress is kind of funny. Yes. I know there were some changes from the original that were a bit more more obvious. I think one thing that we noticed were three new songs were added that were not there in the original one. Yeah. So the first one was Days in the Sun, and that was taking place while Belle and the Beast were just adjusting to living living in the castle together. Yeah, and then there was another one, I think, called How Does the Moment Last Forever, which was a French-style song from Belle's dad's introduction that she sings later on, I think, as well. And then the last one, which I think we both really liked as a song. It was Evermore, where the Beast is kind of accepting his fate. He's sulking after Belle. <laughs> <laughs> it was after Belle goes back home to her village because her father's sick, and so he's just pining after her. <laughs> and... Yeah, I think it was a pretty nice song. It added a lot of more depth to his character in comparison to the cartoon, because we didn't have that. Yeah, I think in the cartoon he does come off a bit um, less um, he does come off a bit less dimensional, and I think this song kind of helped reflect on his character a bit more. I definitely agree. I think in most Disney animated cartoons, the love interests like the male love interest they're never really well developed they're just kind of there and in comparison to the other films the beauty and the beast the beast was actually kind of already further developed than other love interests would be but in this film they just did a pretty good job with that i agree like how in the snow white original movie the prince shows up at the very end kisses her and then he just Marries her. And we know nothing else about him. I don't even know if he has a name. Does he have a name? I don't know. It's Florian. I, I looked it up, but it's never mentioned in the film. So I don't know why they would bother naming him <laughs> if they don't mention his name. I heard that he is 31 and Snow White I is 14. I heard too. I know. I think... I forgot. The Beast was also significantly um older. I think Belle's 18 or somewhere along that. But definitely not in her 20s or anything. And he's like 40? I might be wrong about this, but he's fairly older. I remember in the introduction they had um when the beast before the beast is you know a- attacked through magic by the enchantress, they were dressed in a certain fashion and then when you when you go back to Belle, you can see there's a lot a different, I guess, just general sense of fashion style. And also I think the narrator mentions that bell bell's story takes place many years after the beast's original transformation 20 wait is he 21 that's what google is saying yeah sorry i just searched it up while santa was talking and apparently he is 21 that makes no sense to me wait i feel like how long was the beast in beauty and the beast a beast for 10 years oh, in the so... animated Disney version. Wait, so is the 21 accounting for that 10 years? Well, in, okay, apparently in the cartoon, he was cursed when he was 11. So after the 10 years, he was 21. Okay. But in the remake, he, was, he wasn't he was 11 when he got a chance for him. He looked like a full-grown adult. No, he did. I guess that's another change from the movie then. Because I was so confused. I thought he would be well into his like 30s. Or something. Yeah, I am also a bit confused. I guess the timeline for the um, live action doesn't really make that much sense. Maybe they mentioned it and we just we just missed it. Because I feel like this is kind of a big plot hole to have. I agree. But I'm glad that there's not a large age difference. In comparison to the other films, it's not a good one, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, like how... Yeah, fair. I guess, in comparison, it's not that bad. Yeah, like, Rapunzel is 18 and Flynn is 28. Yeah, that one I was really bothered by because Tangled is such a good movie, and I feel like they could have just made him younger. I don't know why he had to be almost 30 years old. Arguably, it's, like, one of my favorites. Same. Maybe my favorite of all time, and I just was very disappointed about that. I... I think we've said all that we want to say on Beauty and the Beast. Do you have any other thoughts you would like to share? Um, I think this is a pretty um, interesting thing to mention is that in this live action remake, they made LeFou openly gay. So they said openly gay, but you only see one scene where he's dancing with this other man. And that's right before the credits. So it was just supposed to be this huge moment that redefines Disney or something, but you just don't really see that being that important because I didn't even notice it until I saw something. Yeah, I wouldn't have even like if if him if this was supposed to be such an important moment, I feel like it should have been longer or emphasized more because it didn't really for me, it didn't really stick out. Like I wasn't like, Oh wow, what a great redefining moment, Disney. Like, nothing like that. Yeah, the actor who plays LeFou also mentioned that he thought they didn't do any justice to the character being gay. So, I do think they could have worked on that. If they wanted to work it into the plot, then they should have actually done more changes. Yeah, and if they... I don't understand why they would have said he was openly gay and then just not really have... Like, I don't get why they would say that and then just not have anything in the movie that really shows that besides that two second scene i mean i never noticed it i didn't even see that two second scene at the end it it just is something i recently learned so i guess that pretty much sums up everything we wanted to say about beauty and the beast The next movie we wanted to do was Cinderella, the twenty fifteen remake from Disney, and this one, I think, holds a special place in both of our hearts. At least for me, I saw it in theaters, and it was such a like great experience. I adored that movie. Yeah, I think it was honestly like top down the best Disney remake in comparison to the um, original cartoons. Like they really kept it true to the message and everything. For sure, and I think. When we were looking at the movie and we were re the movie for this, you could tell that even though they were faithful to the source material, they did go their own way with certain things. But I think it worked. Like, it wasn't something that went against, necessarily, the, the movie or its original themes. If anything, I think it just added more to the message. I really liked, like, every single aspect of the film. So, yeah. Same. So just to give a quick, I guess a quick summary... It is, I think, mostly, generally the same plot as Cinderella, right? Evil um, Cinderella, her father remarries, evil stepmother, stepsisters, father dies, she's, you know, their servant, whatever. She gets a fairy godmother, goes to the ball, Um, yeah. Yeah, and then she meets the prince, the midnight thing, and she has to run out and she leaves behind her glass slipper. And then he eventually ends up searching through the town and finding that her foot fits, which is a kind of dumb concept to me because so many people have the same shoe size, but that's beyond the point. I read that some, like, it's because the fairy godmother made it through magic. So the foot, the shoe is like magically made for her foot in every single way. Like it's made exactly for her foot. And if it's magical, it won't fit anyone else. But could her foot really be that different? I think it's more like it's magical to only fit her foot. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I think this is going a bit off topic, but I was bothered by how her foot was just the smallest. Mm. Because like the stepsisters, they were bigger, right? And they had to cut off their toes in the original Grimm Brothers version. But then Cinderella was just a small, delicate foot. I think that kind of had a negative message along with it. I agree, especially in that in the um, in the Grimm's version, right when they cut off their toes or whatever, the prince like notices and then the and then he like sends them away regardless. So it's like, oh, they cut off their toes for nothing. I know. I felt really bad for them, but that's kind of besides the point of what we're talking about. Okay. Well, the Cinderella movie in uh, remake in twenty fifteen was directed by. Kenneth Branagh, I think? Yes, I hope... Yeah. I hope we said that right. And it was also played by Lily James, playing Cinderella, and Richard Madden, starring along with her. Cool. As the prince. Yeah. Okay, what were your first thoughts rewatching, or I guess watching this movie, if not re-watching? Well, I think I watched it a really long time ago when it first came out in theaters with my mom. And so it was just a really magical movie for me because sitting there in my seat and then watching all of this on a big screen it was just so well done the um like all the little details that they added along to it it made the story really kind of intimate to follow along to i really felt for cinderella while i was watching it and i also kind of felt bad for the stepsisters so i guess it did a good job of characterizing all all the main characters yeah, that was something that I noticed as well and I thought it was very interesting what they did with the stepmother because she has a mo- a lot more prominent of a role as an antagonist in this movie I think than in the original because in this movie I remember she was kind of actively talking to I forgot like what his role was, but there was some sort of like duke or something that she was talking to that she like wanted to learn more about in terms of information to to stop Cinderella from, you know, marrying the prince and all of that. Yeah, she was definitely more involved in this film compared to the original. And I guess that sums it up for our really brief summary of the film. Now we're going to be moving on to the specific aspect of cinematography. To start off similar to how we did with Beauty and the Beast, I think we could talk about the setting and the sets a bit first. I did some research prior to this and I thought it was really interesting that a lot of the inspirations they had for the architecture western architecture in northern europe in the 16th 17th and 18th centuries yeah i think um i really liked how they carried out the um sets in the cinderella movie because it made me want to actually be there like i was Mm. so enchanted by all those different um like the scenes in the castle and also we were both talking about this but the scene where cinderella and the prince are sitting on the bench and then they're in the garden and it just looks so mystical fairy like for sure that scene is so beautiful and i don't know i feel like they did they did that better than the beauty and the beast one in my opinion i agree especially the castle i think just the magical aspect in general i think this movie really nailed it in balancing between magical fantasy and then also reality and i feel like. The Beauty and the Beast one did not do that as much. But maybe that just wasn't the brand for Beauty and the Beast. I don't know. Yeah, I do think they did a really good job with this, like you mentioned. So I was pretty satisfied with this. And I think also with color, that that is also reflected in this movie in a lot of different ways. Um, I think the colors that people wear shows a lot of stuff. Like how the stepmother in this movie, you can see that she wears a lot of greens. And green is a color-presenting, you know, jealousy and envy, which I feel like is something that she does have towards Cinderella in a way. Yeah, I was looking at the original, the animated version, and she doesn't actually wear green in the original. She has red. So I guess with this green color in the live-action, they really wanted to make it more meaningful. And I think this is one of the changes that I appreciated. So... It wasn't just coming out of nowhere but they had actual meaning for a change you get I also read that um, she does wear a lot more black in scenes and that kind of shows her her power and her strength and how we talked earlier how in this movie in the remake she is a lot more involved than the other stepmother was in the original but I thought that was also really interesting especially in hell how, how scary she is like I was scared of her as a kid she scared me so much to stepmother she did. I think when I was watching the original Cinderella, I wasn't really as worried about her, but this one, she just, she's such a good villain. I agree. Who, who, I don't, the actress who played her, I think it was Kate Blanchett? She did such a good job. I was so afraid. I really agree. She just had all the good makings of a villain. Oh, and I also I also read that Cinderella wears a lot of blue and white, and that does show a lot more purity and innocence, especially compared to the rest of her stepfamily. And speaking of her wearing blue, her iconic blue dress. Yes, this is moving into costumes, but it's so nice. And I read somewhere that in the original version by the Grimm brothers, they wanted to, they had a gold dress, I think, right? Oh. Yeah, we read the story in English class the one where it was a bit different, the original darker Mm. one, and apparently they just made it different in both the original cartoon and then the following live action. So I guess the blue was just a sign of innocence and purity for this. I, I did some research, and there was this Vogue article that talked about the work that went into making the dress, and there's eight layers of blue, turquoise, and lavender, fine silk, over-traditional Crimeline, and the outer layer has over 111,000 Swarovski crystals on it, which is absolutely insane to me. Like, that, that is so... I don't even know how to explain it. It's just insane. I know. The budget for this was also high, I think, but not as high as the Beauty and the Beast one, so it's really impressive. How well done the dresses and the costumes were, in addition to the really well done production sets. And I kind of mentioned it earlier, but when she moves in this dress, you can just see the way it flows and swishes, and it just looks so magical. Oh, yes, when she's running down the staircase, and then, oh, even the glass slipper—it just looked so like I wanted to touch it and mm-hmm. I wanted to have it. So, they just Disney did a really well done job for this. There was kind of a controversy because people thought that the actress Lily James for Cinderella, that she that the, the Disney had digitally altered her waist to be smaller in the dress, and because they said that it looked abnormally small, her waist, but then the actress talked about it, and she said that it was actually because she was on a liquid diet while filming and that her, her natural body proportions did kind of help in in her fitting into the dress, and she wore a tight corset, which is why she had to be on a liquid diet in the first place, which is a bit, um, which does show, like, why why she was able to fit into that, that dress. Oh, yeah, I think also you mentioned something with the fairy godmother's costume. Yeah, so the actress who played her, Helena Bonham Carter, she had one of the most detailed costumes in the movie. Similar to Cinderella's dress, it had a lot of layers of fabric. So there were over 125 layers. Oh, I know. Like, that's why it was so poofy and big in the film. Like, you can clearly see. There was a lot of thought put into it. And it was also covered with, like, over 100,000 Swarovski crystals. So oh. I guess they just really wanted to impress us with the fairy tale like elements. It also had some LED lights, so kind of just this was um, under the dress though. That wow! I I I mean, looking at the dress, I can definitely see now where that comes from. But wow, it looks so magical and so mystical, and you can I guess all this work really paid off. Yeah, I I really never have thought much about how much money goes into these costumes. But They just do such a good job in it, with it, this film. And I was super impressed by all the costumes. Like, even the fairy godmothers, her green dress. I love that. Mm. It, um, it fit the actress so well. Like, I loved seeing it. I wanted to wear that dress. And then, I think, I found the stepsister's dresses a little ugly. But that was the point, right? Yeah, I... I, um, I saw this interview they did with the, the costume designer of the Cinderella movie, Sandy Powell, and she said that they were, they were meant to be ridiculous on the outside and overdone and just over the top and then ugly on the inside to kind of show their, their personalities a bit, which I think was very, very interesting and kind of funny. And you can kind of tell in the way they dress that it is very over the top and frivolous to yeah. reflect, I guess, I guess them. Mm-hmm. I guess that's just a really big contrast to Cinderella's more simpler dress. Like even though her blue dress is really grand and poofy, like it doesn't have all these as obvious elements incorporated into it compared to the stepsisters. Yeah, she and I and I, I like how they keep her her simple style throughout the movie, even when she does transform into more more magical gowns and stuff like that. Yeah, I I think. Through watching the movie when we were re watching it recently, I felt a bit more bad for the stepsisters because they put in so much effort, like, into their looks and into dressing, but they just they didn't have a good ending. So even though they were horrible people, I think they had a lot of potential to be mm. better people. Yeah, I, I I I agree. And I think that the way they the movie depicted the the stepmother as kind of being the one pulling all the strings maybe the stepsisters weren't as or maybe they were as bad as we thought but maybe there was still some sort of reasoning behind that with their stepmother, with the mother as well i think it's pretty similar to the original because they have the stepsisters just being really evil and then in the later cinderella movies like cinderella 2 i think one of the stepsisters anastasia she shows her, like, good side. So I guess that's why they didn't do anything with the stepsisters in this movie. This is off-topic, but I know which movie you're talking about. I think it was Cinderella 3, like, A Turn in Time or Mm. something. And that movie was so good. It had no business being that good. I know. I wish more people saw those later Cinderella films because I just love them so much. Right? And I feel like it deserves more attention. Yes. This is, like, completely off-topic, but yeah. I mean, speaking of the older Cinderella movies, I think the changes to the original were all pretty good changes in this movie. Do you... What What are your thoughts? Um. Yeah, I honestly think the major difference I noticed was that, like you said, the um antagonist, Lady Tremaine, she was more of an antagonist here. She was actually trying to... She was taking a lot of actions to prevent Cinderella and the prince ending up together. And then the stepsisters, they were... Given more screen time as well. You could just. I was very stressed as a kid because I just wanted Cinderella to have her happy ending. So <laughs> I think they did a good job of that. I agree. And also with the prince, I think in the original movie, he doesn't really have much of a personality or a backstory. But I think in this one, they give a good backstory about him and his struggle with what his father wants and what he wants and all of that. And I think that helped in kind of making his and Cinderella's romance a bit more believable. Yeah, I think in the original when he was hosting the ball for finding his wife, his father was shown as pushy but he wasn't as bad as he was portrayed in this film because I really did not like his father in the live action. I was always rooting against him and I just wanted (laughs) him to accept Cinderella. Same. Um, I think also something that was, there was less, less songs. I, I think they still had some songs, but there were less musical songs like there was in the original one. I don't, I don't believe Lily James, um, the actress who played Cinderella sung anything, did she? I don't think so. I don't think there were any, like, musical moments or anything like that. Yeah, I was so disappointed because of that, because Lily James is such a good singer. Oh, she She is? was a, actually in Mamma Mia. She was playing the young Donna, and... Oh, I heard her voice. It was so nice. I don't understand why they didn't keep that into the film. Because I was really waiting for... Um, like, the dream song in the beginning. I think she sings at the end, where she's locked in a tower, and she sings, and then the, the the main head general or whatever hears her, and then is like, oh, wait, there's some other lie. There's another girl up there for the prince to, to try the shoes. Yeah, I also think... Since the movie was only around one hour forty something minutes, they definitely could have added the music. Oh, the remake or the original? The live action. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they did have time. I don't really understand why they didn't include that. Maybe it was the um, other other characters in the movie. Maybe they weren't hired for the singing but just acting. But Lily James is a good singer, so I do wish they did something with that. I think it's worth noting because we talked about how this, even though it did change from the original, it did it in a way that expended upon the story in a, in a way that we both thought was well done. But there have been other Cinderella remakes that I think you and I have seen that we, that, I don't know, I feel like there are so many Cinderella remakes and none of them, a lot of them don't really do anything new. So it doesn't come across as a remake that is adding something to the story, it's just another copy of Cinderella. I agree. I honestly wish they didn't do so many remakes of Cinderella, because just having these few special ones, that's more important than just all these different versions. Yeah, I think you and I kind of talked earlier about not liking the 2021 Cinderella, with, um, I think it starred Camila Cabello? Yeah, I I was not a big fan of that at all. I just found it really unrealistic Mm -hmm. i liked some elements of it it was it was much more modern i guess but it just i wanted it to be a bit more to the script Mm. i didn't like the cinderella character i i liked i mean i thought that camille Cabello did a pretty good job considering that she's not like a very like she's not a professional actress i thought she did a good job but there's this one scene do you remember? Where she there's like the king is giving like a speech and because Cinderella is like not able to see she climbs onto a statue and then the, he gets mad and yells at her and she, instead of just coming down from the statue like a normal person she starts yelling back and it's like gives a lot of like quirky little comments and I was extremely bothered by that because I feel like if you disrespect the king like that you you get punished or something like why why is she yelling at him about quirky things i agree i think this is a problem with a lot of newer remakes of disney films but they always try to make change the disney princesses into these really strong independent um women but really some of their traits like that's what singles them out for cinderella that's her kind heart and i don't know why they would try to make her more quirky in this film can't they just let her have her own like kindness thing is that not good enough on its own yeah, and kindness is strength, right? So it doesn't strength doesn't have to be portrayed in only one specific way. Exactly, because I think all these new films, they try to lean towards this version of like oh, you need to be really strong by yourself. You don't need anybody's help. You need to be more quirky and You don't need a man. You have you are all you need and you don't need anyone else. Yeah, and that's just a really bad message to send out for other people who aren't like that, for people who are who just have kind hearts, but they don't like, act out. They don't, um, they're not like that That Camila Cabello character yelling back to the king. They just show it in other ways. Mm. That is a good interpretation of that. I was just like, oh, she's so annoying for being quirky. Now that you mention it, that, that is really interesting. And reflecting on that, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what I appreciate about Lim- Lily James' interpretation of Cinderella. It was very true to the original. And going back to Beauty and the Beast, I don't know, because I, I saw the original like a while ago, but I haven't really seen it since. Is Belle, I don't know if they made Belle's character or if they changed her character. I watched the original a few months ago and I think in comparison, they kept it pretty much the same. So these Disney remakes, they do have like the same elements of the character. They don't change much i mean at least these two did yes I feel that's like... what i was gonna say not <laughs> not the upcoming ones <laughs> oh there's more upcoming um you know the upcoming ones for snow white <laughs> oh I uh, yeah i think they're changing a lot about that i feel like they could have made a new movie and then just had more you know better representation and diversity and all of that in yeah. that new movie than just remaking this one and honestly changing just it like completely. changing everything made it more controversial so i don't see why they did that I don't get why they're remaking all these in the first place. Like I feel like you can create new stories that have diverse characters and in stories instead of just remaking the same old thing and not changing anything in a good way or like not in a good way, but just not changing anything that expands the story and makes the story more more It, it makes it kind of a new extension of that story. I agree. i I heard they're also looking to make a tangled live action. And i'm so scared like i would love to see one but at the same time i don't know if they can it's just my favorite movie Mm -hmm. my favorite disney movie and if they can't keep on the same elements that i liked from the original movie onto this live action i'll just be really disappointed i don't even care too much about like rapunzel's race or whatever i think for me i love tangled as well i feel like they're just not going to do it justice in terms of the story and the humor and i feel like the long hair and the magical elements are not going to come across as great in a live-action movie. And are they going to make Pascal try and look like a realistic chameleon? Because I don't want that. Like, who wants them to look like a real chameleon? I really agree. I loved Pascal in the movie. He was so cute. And if they put on, like, a real chameleon, I don't think <laughs> I'll like him. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. Like, how in the Little Mermaid remake, they remade Nemo, and now he isn't, like, a cute little fish. He's, like, a regular... Fish, Yes, I did not like Nemo that much. I think Sebastian's character was pretty good in the live action. But yeah. Oh, what were your thoughts, by the way, on the Little Mermaid one? I didn't see it, but I saw that the picture of Nemo, and that's the only opinion I have on that movie because I haven't seen it. That makes sense. What is your opinion on it? Um, I watched it a while ago, and I think I really liked the acting. I think the... Um, just the chemistry between the two characters, um, the prince and... Rep- not Rapunzel, sorry. Ariel? Yeah, Ariel. I was stuck for a second. But I think they did a pretty good job in terms of acting. I think it's interesting to look back on these remakes and also just other remakes that we just talked about because I feel like you can kind of tell when people are making this with an intention to expand the story and they have a passion and when it's just like not when when they don't really have as much passion put into it if that makes sense like for example i feel like the mulan remake i didn't i wasn't really a big fan of and i feel like that one didn't have a lot of i don't know i feel like it didn't have the same heart behind it that they did with cinderella or even with the little mermaid if the reviews i've heard good things about it so i've heard mixed things about the little mermaid but i also was disappointed in ariel's like dress because they just left out this one um, big Dress, that's a part of the movie. Oh. Yeah, I think a lot of people were talking about that as well. But I just, I do agree with you. I think sometimes it's just some of these movies are just for the money. And you can see that. They just want more profits. But I just think the Cinderella one, it did a great job in, with everything. And I think Beauty and the Beast too, save for that one dress, <laughs> did pretty well. I agree. Agree, these weren't just for profit, they wanted to actually bring back these magical elements from the Mm. originals and then just have these movies. I hope it's not our nostalgia talking, because we, we saw those movies when we were younger, and then these newer remakes came out when we were older, so I hope it's not, we aren't biased in a way towards these movies because of that, but I feel like that's inevitable. Yes, especially since all these new remakes, they just, it gets boring after a while. And I feel like they keep coming. Like, I remember when they first started doing remakes, I think there was at least a couple of years between each one. But now I feel like they just keep coming and coming and they come at such a fast pace right after each other. There's no time to digest anything. Especially the Cinderella ones. I remember I had this whole phase when I was younger and I watched purely Cinderella movies. And I <gasps> just, <laughs> yeah, th- it's just a whole genre at this point because they have so many movies. I feel like there were some really good movies that come out of that genre and some um, not-so-great movies. We both lo- loved um, that... What was it? A Cinderella Story? Yes. Oh, A Cinderella Story is so good. Yeah. I agree. It was one of the better ones. For sure. There was one where... I think we talked about it earlier. It was the girl from Austin Alley, Laura Marano. And I forgot the other guy's name. I watched it, but and I liked it, but I wouldn't say it was it was... Like, a good movie. It was more of a guilty pleasure for me. It wasn't extraordinary. It didn't really add any new messages. Mm. It was just kind of repetitive. It was okay. I also saw this one where Cinderella was a DJ. <gasps> Wait. Stop, stop. Is it the one where it's originally in Spanish or Portuguese or something? Yes, Yeah, yes, I saw someone. that one. <laughs> Wait, Stop. I've never met anyone else who's watched the Portuguese Cinderella. <laughs> yes, it's because I had the Cinderella phase. That I was watching all these movies. Was it the one where, like, she, she throws her shoe at him or something? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny to watch, I think. Yes, I remember liking it. I don't know if it, like, was a good movie, objectively or whatever. I think when we were little, we had lower standards. for What, yes. what was the... Like, I liked it when I was young, but then looking back on it, it's not that great of a concept. Yes. And I feel like, I don't know, they could go a long way with the Cinderella concept. Like, there's a lot of things they could do, but I feel like they just stick to the same lane of having Cinderella do the same thing. Honestly, I just want the Cinderella stories to kind of be over. We have those few good remakes, and I just want to stay with those. Mm. Okay. Well... I think we went kind of on a tension at the end, but I think it's okay. I think we had a lot of a lot of things to say. Yes, it was nice to have a conversation, especially since I really wanted to s- compare what I felt like watching the movies when I was little to now. I would say that the Beauty and the Beast remake and the C- Cinderella remake are probably two of my favorite of like the the, the Disney movie remakes, along with Aladdin. I agree. I really think those hold a really special place in my heart. I don't, I don't know any other remakes except for Little Mermaid and Mulan. Was there any? There was the Lion King, but it wasn't a Disney princess movie. Hmm. I should watch the Little Mermaid. I feel like I've heard really good things and also some, some criticisms as well. So I, I do want to see what, you know, what it'll actually end up being like. The singing was great. Like I can definitely say that. Without a doubt, they did a good job casting a, um, like the actress who can actually sing.. Mm. <laughs> oh that's not That's That's, meant so shady to, of that's you. not meant to throw shade. I just think they did a good job. It's a musical, so it should be treated as a musical. <laughs> I knew your feelings about the autotune would resurface. Yes, but I could tell like they didn't autotune much for that. Okay, well, I guess we pretty much said everything we needed to say about the Beauty and the Beast production, as well as the Cinderella one. Yeah, it was really, really interesting to look back and also talk about our opinions on these movies and their messages and all of that. Mm -hmm. Especially with all these new remakes coming up, it's good to kind of compare our thoughts. Yes, and I'm definitely going to make you watch the Portuguese Cinderella with me again. Yes, we <laughs> need to have a good rewatching and see if it was actually good. For sure. Okay. Okay, well. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope that you'll come back for our following episodes. Thank you. Thank you. you.